Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. The most important decision that you will ever make in your life is who will you worship? And the second most important decision that you're going to make is who will you marry? Those are the most important questions, the most important decisions that you're ever going to make. Who are you going to worship and who are you going to marry? And if you want to answer those questions, then you're going to need a lot of wisdom because you would rather figure it out today than wait until later. You would rather ask the question, who will I marry, instead of waking up one day saying, oh my God, who did I marry? Amen? The most important question, who will you worship? Who will you marry? To answer those, you're going to need to get wisdom. And lucky for us, there's a book of the Bible that answers those questions. It's called Proverbs. And so today we're continuing our sermon series through the book of Proverbs called Wisdom for Life. And today we're going to be talking about wisdom for dating. And so this one is for the singles. Normally what I would say is this, the secret to any good sermon is to preach to yourself first. But this sermon, I can't use. Okay, I can't take any of the advice that I'm giving to you today because if I do, okay, I can't take a girl on a date because if I do, I got another girl, she's going to be mad at me. Her name's Ashley. I'd probably I'd probably lose my job if I take another girl on a date. So this one's this one's for you. Okay, this one is for the singles in our church. How many of you you're single? Go ahead, raise your hand. You're single. That's you. That's you. That's you. All right, look around. Now go ask for their number. Just giving you, just giving you a little help. But primarily, our church is mostly single. Hey, Redemption Church's sweet spot is young adults between the ages of 18 and 30 years old. That's the majority of our church. But I know this: that not every person who is single is a young adult. That some people are single later in life, some people are divorced, some people are separated, some people are widowed. Not every single person is a young adult. And so This is going to be applicable for everyone who is single, regardless of the age, because most of our church is, in fact, single. Our serve team is built on those who are young and single, serving the church, loving Jesus, worshiping, leading community groups, deacons in our church, everyone from the worship team to the sound booth, working in kids. Thank you so much for all of you who are single. I want you to know that I love you, that I'm so grateful for you. It's a privilege to be able to be your pastor. And today I'm hoping that I can be able to help you with the second most important decision that you have to make when it comes to to dating. Now, for those of you who are married, okay, you, you might hear this and you think, oh God, I came to the single sermon. Oh, what does this have to do with me? Okay, now you know how singles feel anytime we preach a sermon over marriage. Okay, you can, you can deal with it. The singles put up with your marriage sermons all the time, right? So you can deal with the single sermon just this, this, this once. But this is also important for you. Okay, and here's a couple of reasons why this is important, even if you're married. Number one, if you don't get wisdom, pretty soon you're going to be single, and nobody wants that. Amen? So you're still going to need a little bit of wisdom. Number two, okay, our church is primarily singles. Most people think about the church being it's all about married people. In most churches, they'll say, we're for families. We're about families. We want families. We're going to reach families. But... 50% of America is actually single. And so when a church is like, we're all about families, what they're really saying is 50% of the body of Christ is not really important to us. 
and they treat singles like second-class citizens. But that's not who we are at Redemption. Okay, at Redemption, we exist to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child experiences life change through Jesus. Whether you're young or old, married or single, doesn't matter. We're here for everyone. So if you're married, look around. Right, you need to be loving, praying, blessing, encouraging these singles, inviting them into your home for a community group, taking them out for dinner, giving them a little bit of wisdom because you got some. So share it with those around you. The number three, if you have kids, especially teenagers, you need to pay double attention because they're going to be dating soon. And that should terrify you because the dating game, it really has changed. It's changed so much over even just the last 10 years. Me and Ashley, we've been married for 10 years, and I met her um, 14 years ago. It was July of 2005. That's when me and Ashley met, and we met on a website called MySpace. Any of y'all remember MySpace? Okay, if you don't remember MySpace, you didn't miss anything. Bad scene hair, HTML, angles, you didn't miss anything. I believe that God, in his providence, allowed MySpace to exist just so that me and Ashley could meet. After me and Ashley met, he killed it. He killed Tom. Tom is gone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Me and Ashley, we met. We started dating. Three years later, we got married. Ten years later, here we are. That's the way that, that's the way that we dated, and that's the way that most people today, they actually date. Gone are the days to where you actually have to build up the courage, right? get sweaty palms, stutter, and then go up and, to a girl and say hi, and then get rejected. Right? Those days, they're over. They're gone. Most people, they don't meet at church or you know, through friends or at work or any other hobby. Right? That's just not where most people are, are meeting today. Most people meet online. Right, 14 years ago when me and Ashley met, if you met someone online, it was most likely like a 40-year-old dude, you know, living at his mom's house, fat, overweights, eating hot pockets. Like that's, that's basically who you would meet or a serial killer. So you would imagine how excited I was when Ashley turned out to be neither of those. Right, but today, dating online is pretty much, that's just what's common because why suffer the fear of rejection and embarrassment or any form of emotional torture when you can just hide behind a screen, you know, get a nice little profile picture, update a little bio, you know, swipe right, send a DM, you get away with all those things. And so that's the way that most people are dating here in 2019. It really has changed a lot. And the way that we date, it really is just a social experiment, right? A hundred years ago, nobody dated like this. In fact, people didn't even date a hundred years ago. What they would actually do is, is known as courting, right? Any of y'all know what courting is, right? That's whenever a guy would actually take the dad on the date first. You'd go buy him chocolates and you'd spend time with him. You'd get to know him so that way you could get to know the daughter. That's the way that we're going to do it in the Ellis house. Like, like if any girl, if any boy wants to take Esther out on a date, he's going to have to take me out on a date. And then he's going to have to beat me in arm wrestling. And if he can beat me in arm wrestling, he can't date her because I need somebody who's going to, I can be tougher than, than I can beat him up too. Right, that's how we're going to do it. But courting, it was actually um, the way that relationships worked. But then boys thought, well, that's a little hard and costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to go out. Instead of going to the girl's house, we're going to go out. It was actually a synonym for prostitution. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. 
But a guy would pick up a girl, take her out, and then exchange sexual favors. That that was a lot easier than actually getting to know a girl in the context of a family. And so dating originated actually with prostitution. And so what we see as dating here in America, it really is a social experiment. It's brand new, unknown to any other culture, any other civilization in the history of the world, and it's actually very foreign to the Bible. It's a social experiment. So I want to ask you, how do you think this social experiment's going? Do you enjoy dating? Do you like dating? Like, does, is it life-giving? Or you're like, yay, I'm so happy. I'm single and ready to mingle. Woohoo! How many of you like dating? Probably not. Right, do you think the social experiment's going well? I want to read you some statistics from the last 100 years. The average divorce rate in America is now 50%. You got a one in two shot of making it work. Right, 20, uh, 41% of first marriages actually end in divorce. 72% adults, according to research done by Tinder, the dating app, 72% of young adults have made the conscious decision to stay single. I think it's interesting that they said this on a dating app. Like, that's just irony. I don't know, something for you to just ponder on on your way home. The average age um, of marriage for women is now 27. The average age for men is 30. They're waiting longer to get married. The average millennial will have 11 sexual partners in their lifetime. Gen Z, that's the generation between the ages of 15 and 21, already have eights. They're not even old enough to go on an R-rated movie, but they can still get R-rated at their mom's house. Already got eight sexual partners. The average age to lose their virginity is 16. First time to see pornography is 11. 70% of millennials view porn on a regular basis. 30% of women view porn at least once a week. And you think, oh, okay, well, that's good for them. They're just exploring their sexuality. It seems to be healthy, right? Until you see the horrific, damaging results that it's having on the next generation. The sexual, social experiment's not working. Here's Here's what we're seeing. Last year alone, there was 800,000 abortions performed in America. One out of four women will be sexually assaulted. One in 10 boys will be molested. According to a book I read called Girls and Sex, 100% of the young women interviewed in this social science book said that 100% of the young girls were sexually assaulted by the time they graduated college. Needless to say, Dating's not going well, but there is something else. Just because younger generations are not getting married, it doesn't mean that they're not dating. It doesn't mean that they're not fornicating, hooking up, shacking up, breaking up, but they're also cohabitating. Cohabitating is what happens when you live with someone before you get married. So you're not married, but you are living together, sleeping together. This is what it shows. 95% of Americans will have sex before they get married. That's both in the church and out the church. That's all Americans will have sex before they get married. Half of all marriages today are preceded by cohabitation. Couples living together before their big day. Most girls between the ages of 19 and and 25 have lived with their partner, and they agree that it's best to live with a partner before you get married in order for you to determine that it's going to work. One article said that the apartment key is the new engagement ring, right? Because why buy her a ring when she can pay 50% of the rent, right? That's dating in 2019. And I remember when me and Ashley started dating, and, and, and I actually worked two jobs, was in college full time, and I paid her rent. 
We moved her in, got her apartments. She lived there. And I lived at my grandparents' house. And I wouldn't sleep with her. I wouldn't move in until we, we got married. And my friends thought, Byron, you're insane. You're crazy. You're paying the rent. You should be able to get the benefit. You need to go live and sleep with that girl. And I said, no, I ain't doing it. I love the Lord. I love Ashley. I want to honor her. I want to honor our marriage. So I didn't do it. My friends thought, Byron, you're crazy. And today, they're all divorced. Okay, do you think that I was crazy? Okay, here's, here's what the statistics show. 50% of marriages do end in divorce, but those who live together before marriage, the likelihood of divorce increases, get this, 151%. That means you're three times more likely to divorce if you live together than those who don't. It's not wise, it's actually suicide. And other things is this, that if you live together before you're married, women suffer higher rates of depression, drug addiction, domestic violence, and they are nine times more likely to be murdered than any other person in America. Okay? It's not working. American dating is not working. The worldly way of dating is not working. And so that means that for those of you who are single, when it comes to dating, you're going to need a lot of wisdom. And here's what I want you to know, that Christians are different. The way that we date, the way that we do life, the way that we get to know one another and build relationships, Christians are just different. That we are called to be set apart, holy, chosen by God. Our lives are supposed to look different. And here's, here's the reason why. It's because we live according to the kingdom. We don't live according to the culture. Just because something is common, it doesn't mean it's common sense. Right? Just because something is normal, it doesn't mean that it's normative. Just because something's popular, it doesn't mean it's God's best. It doesn't mean it's God's will. Why? Because as Christians, we live according to the kingdom. We don't live according to the culture. There's a difference. And so the world has nothing to offer you when it comes to wisdom about dating. It's broken. It's not working. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to need to turn to the word. What does the word of God say? Uh, about, about dating. Well, the book of Proverbs is really written to singles, right? The whole book of Proverbs is written from a father to a son, giving him wisdom for life. And one of the big areas is what to look for and what to watch for when it comes to finding somebody that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Because the two most important questions are, who are you going to worship and who are you going to marry? Both we find in the book of Proverbs. And so here's what I want to do. I want to use the book of Proverbs, take a little survey, pull out some principles and things that we can be able to apply to our lives for those who are dating. And I'm going to give you two things, what to, what to watch for and what to look for, okay? What to watch for. Here's what I mean, okay? You're watching out. You're, you're, you're saying, oh, hey, that's not good. That's a red flag. I'm watching for that, right? As for me in my house, we say, nope, next, I've been watching that. Hey, and then when we say, look, I'm saying like, oh, hey, look at that. All right, that's not bad. I kind of like that. I've been looking for that. All right, cool. Come on in. All right, let's get to know each other. Okay, maybe we could, maybe we could date. So here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what to watch for and what to look for. And so we're going to start with, for the ladies, ladies go first. We're going to talk about what you want to watch out for when it comes to dating a guy. Okay, we always say, be the Proverbs 31 woman. Okay, but what does it mean for a man? The entire book of Proverbs is written for men. So ladies, if you want wisdom when it comes to dating, you need to find a man who's a lot like the book of Proverbs because Proverbs teaches young boys how to grow up and be men. Ladies, you want to date a man? You don't want to date a boy. So here's what you're going to be looking for. Number one is, are his friends losers? 
Yeah, Proverbs 13, 20. The one who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. What are his friends like? Do you like his friends? Do you get along with his friends? Do you like spending time with his friends? If you do, all right, cool. If you don't, you're probably not going to like him. All right, because a guy is the sum total of his two closest friends. So if he's hanging out with Larry and Curly, guess what? You got Mo. Okay, if he's hanging out with Twiddle D and Twiddle Dumb, guess what? He's dumb. His friends are losers. Most likely, he's going to be a loser. Why? Because the one who walks with the wise, he becomes wise. The one who is the companion of fools, he's probably a fool. You're like, no, but he's nice, and he's not like the rest of the guys. Sure he is. He just hasn't let you seen it just yet. Like, you just wait. The dumb is going to come out. You're like, no, but he's sharp, right? He might be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he's still a, but he's still a butter knife. Like, it, it's not going to work. He's not going to cut it. Right, so you should just cut him. Like if his friends are losers, most likely he's probably a, a loser. Number two, is he lazy? Okay, Proverbs 20:13. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. Does he need 17 alarms just to wake up for lunch? Yeah, that's probably not gonna work. I mean, because he's lazy. He stays up all night playing Fortnite. Right? He plays Guitar Hero, trying to become a guild leader in World of Warcraft, taking hits from his bong. Like, don't go for that. Like, that dude's lazy. Like, you need to get a guy who's got a job, who has some ambition for his life. You want to find somebody who's going to be your boyfriend and be your husband. You don't want to find somebody that you're going to have to be his mom. Like, if you're always texting him, calling him, saying, hey, wake up. Hey, go to work. Hey, get a job. Hey, put some pants on. Like, he's just lazy. It's not going to be good. You want to find a guy who's going to give you children, not be a child. If he's lazy, He's not going to have any ambition to be able to pursue after you. Just, just dump him. Number three, um, how is his family? He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. This one's so important, and it's often overlooked. How's his family? What's his relationship like with his family? Is he always talking bad about his mom? He's probably not going to talk very good about you. Is he always getting in fights with his dad? He's probably not going to be a very good guy because a guy ends up turning out to be a lot like his dad. Right? But if his family's good, then it's probably going to be pretty good. How is his family? Because you're also going to be marrying into that family. See, he doesn't have a choice about who his family is, okay, but you do have a choice whether or not you want to be involved in that family. Jesus says a man will leave his father and mother and he will cling to his wife. Right? So it's a cling to the wife, sometimes the moms are too clingy to the son. If he can't separate from that relationship, there's going to be a problem. See, you want to have in-laws. You don't want to have outlaws. You need to figure this out. Is his family going to bless you or are they going to curse you? Are they going to bring joy or are they going to destroy? You want to have in-laws. You don't want to have outlaws. You want to have extended family to where you can drop the kids off, you can go away on vacation, you can come back, and they don't have any tattoos. Like, that's, that's what you're looking for. So how is, his, how is his family? Make that decision up front. What about this one? Does he drink too much? Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Does he drink too much? See, alcohol is not a sin, but getting drunk is a sin. Okay, drug addiction, you know, alcoholism, all of those things, major problem. Ladies, if he's an alcoholic, if he's a drug addict, you need to make the decision, is it worth it? And most likely, it's, it's not worth it because alcoholism and addiction, it literally destroys families. And if you don't watch it now, you're going to have to really 
wrestle with that a whole lot later. See, see alcoholism or addiction, it, it, it's a demon, okay? and, and it doesn't have any discrimination. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor, or young or old. It doesn't care if you're in college or if you're good looking. It really doesn't care. It's going to come in. It's going to destroy you. It's going to lead you astray. And it's going to damage any relationship that you have. It's just, it's terrible. Right? If you're dating a guy who is an addict, he doesn't need a relationship. He needs rehab. Right? He, he doesn't need you. Okay? He needs Jesus. He needs deliverance. And he needs a 12-step program. Am I saying that it's not going to work? I don't know. It's going to take a lot of work, though. Right? Am I saying that he's never going to be you know, delivered from it? He can't get clean. He can't get sober. He can't get help. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is you can't change him. No matter how much you beg, no matter how much you plead, no matter how much you threaten him, you will not be able to change him. Only Jesus can change him, and you ain't Jesus, and that boy's got to want to change himself. Okay? If he doesn't want to change, he's never going to change. No matter how much you cry, it's not going to change. So make the decision now. Do you want to date a guy who drinks too much? And the next one is this. Does he lose his temper too quickly? Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is hasty in his temper exalts folly. Is he like a bomb that's always ready to explode? Does anything you say or do just make him angry? Does he fly off the handle? Does he push you, shove you? Does he manipulate you? Okay, does he get you isolated all to himself to where nobody else can talk to you and you're the only person that he spends time with, okay, then that's manipulative. He's abusive. You're like, but he doesn't hit me. Did he threaten you? Did he raise his hand to you? Did he raise his voice to you? Okay, because if he does that now, it's not going to get any better. Because if he acts that way now, just imagine what he's going to do to you whenever you can't get away. Because when you're dating a guy, he is on his best behavior. It's not going to get any better. So does he lose his temper too quickly? That's a sign, something for you to watch for, for you to be able to get away from. Right, and here's why this is so important, because I meet young girls all the time who end up dating total losers, just terrible guys who treat them terribly because they don't know their value, they don't know their worth, and they don't get wisdom. I ask girls all the time, I say, why are you dating that guy? And he says, well, you know, I mean, he's kind of nice, and he's interesting, and he, he asked, and he said, hi. I'm like, that's it? Like, that's the reason you're dating him? Because he has a pulse and said a two-letter word, high? Like, you need to have better standards than that. You got to have better expectations for that. And here's what I want you to know, ladies. Listen, is do not settle for less than God's best for your life. I mean, so many girls, they just settle for less than what God has for them. If you raise your expectations, if you raise your standards, you're going to raise the quality of men that you bring into your life. Okay, just, just know that. If you raise your expectations, you will raise the quality of men that you get into your life. Do not settle for less than God's best for your life. And so when it comes to dating, what is God's best for your life? The Bible is God's best for your life. You want to find a guy who's like the man that we meet in Proverbs. You want to find a guy who's got wisdom, who's growing in godliness, who's walking in holiness. You want to find a guy who looks a lot like the guy that we meet in Proverbs. And so that's what you're watching out for. Okay, let me tell you what we are looking for. Now, before I say this, this is very important. My lawyers told me that I needed to say this. Proverbs are principles, not promises. Okay, let me, let me explain this to you. They're principles. So if you meet a guy who's going to have three out of five of these next things that I'm going to say, he's a pretty good dude. But I am not saying you need to run out and get married to him right away. No, pump the brakes, slow down, have a conversation, get to know him for a little bit. 
right? So it's a, it's a principle. This is probably going to go a little bit better for you. Now, on the flip side, if you meet a guy who doesn't really have a lot of these qualities, but he does love the Lord, then I'm not saying it's not going to work. What I am saying is it's going to take a little bit more work. And so don't run out and dump or start dating someone based upon one sermon, right? I think I'm doing a pretty good job, but you want to be able to get wisdom, talk to your community group, talk to people in your life, surround yourself in accountability, pray about it, because if you don't, right, then we're going to have to do a whole lot of weddings or do a whole lot of counseling, and I just don't think I can carry that load. So they're principles right, and not promises, okay? Because if not, a lot of dudes are going to be getting dumped today. Okay, so here's, here's, here's what you're going to be looking for when it comes to the book of Proverbs. Number one is, does he have godly men in his life? Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Okay, young men are dumb. Guys, I love you, but you're like, yeah, we're kind of dumb. Young men are dumb. They think they know everything, but they don't. So here's what they need. They need older, wisely, godly men in their life to be able to give them wisdom. Okay, if he's surrounding himself with older men, Okay, that, means, that means he's going to be a pretty good dude. Does he have guys in his life who hold him accountable? Does he live in an authentic community? Do other people have the ability to be able to tell him no? If so, he's a pretty good dude because he's mastered the one thing that every woman wants and every man needs, how to listen. Ladies find that sexy. Guys, make sure you write that down. That's good. Okay, you need to learn how to listen. You need to get wise, godly men in your life. The next one is, do people respect him? Proverbs 22.1, a good name is to be chosen rather than riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. What you're looking for in a man is someone you can respect, not necessarily somebody who's rich. Ladies, you're probably not going to marry a rich dude. Like I'm just telling you, straight up, we live in Beaumont. Right? It's, you're probably not going to marry a rich guy. You're probably not going to get a new house every five years, drive around in a Maserati, and wear Gucci. It's probably not going to happen. Most likely, you're going to marry a blue-collar, working-class, honest, hardworking, faithful dude who gets a lot of respect. Like That's what you're looking for, because respect is better than riches. You want a guy that you're going to be able to respect. Do people trust him? Do they look up to him? Right, do they count on him? Is he dependable? Is he respectable? That's what you're looking for in a man. Not just riches, you're also looking for respect. The next one is this, okay, very important. Is he emotionally healthy? All the dudes are like, oh, shot fired. Is he emotionally healthy? A fool gives vent to his spirit, and a wise man holds it back. This one's super important because there's a difference between modern masculinity and biblical manhood. Right? For a biblical man, they know when to be tough. They also know when to be tender. They know when to be strong, but they also know when to be sensitive. That they have a thick skin, but you want to have also a soft heart. That's what you're looking for. Someone who can handle his emotions. Somebody who knows when it's going to be cool to be honest and open and vulnerable, when it's OK to be able to turn off the TV, to turn the conversation on. Somebody who has no problem showing his emotions towards you. You want to find a guy who's going to be emotionally available because he's emotionally healthy. Not some guy who's always going to be rugged and just strong and sturdy all the time and never show anything. No, you want somebody who's going to be tough and tender at the same time. Number four, will you be proud of him? Do not withhold good from those who, with whom it's due when it's in your power to do it. You want to be with a man that you're able to be proud of. Okay, you want to know that he's going to do the right thing even when it's not popular, even when nobody else is doing it, even when it's hard. He makes the decision that he's going to do the right thing because it's always right to do right. That's the kind of man when he comes home, 
you can be proud of them and tell them that you're proud of them. You say, baby, you did such a great job. I'm so proud of you because I love being with you because you're the man that I've been looking for. Tell them that you're proud of him. You want to find somebody who's going to do the right thing, even when it's difficult for him to do. And then number five, does he fear the Lord? Blessed is the one who fears the Lord, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. This is one of the most important ones, because if he can do this one, he can do any one, because he has the fear of the Lord. That means he puts God first in his life, that he worships, that he serves, that he loves, that he prays, that he reads his Bible, and that God comes first in his life. And here's what Proverbs says. If you have the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. If this guy fears the Lord, that means he's got wisdom, and then that means he's got a shot. Anything else is possible because it starts with the fear of the Lord. That's what you're looking for when you find someone to date. Does he have the fear of the Lord? Listen, Christians should not date non-Christians. The Bible is crystal clear. If he doesn't fear the Lord, he's not going to be able to love you. It's just not the way that it works. Okay, just think about it, that Jesus is the most important, preeminent, prominent person in your life. It's the bedrock that you build everything else upon. And if he doesn't love Jesus, he's not going to be able to love you because you have absolutely nothing in common. Jesus is the most important thing in the world, and you can't share the most important thing in the world with him. Do you know how lonely that experience is going to be? I mean, just think about how it's going to work whenever you have a family, all right, is he going to pray with your kids? No. Is he going to read the Bible with you? No. Is he going to pastor you, be the spiritual leader in your home? Is he going to tuck the kids in bed at night and read the Bible with them? No. Do you know how lonely that's going to be? Because you don't have anything in common. The most important thing to you is not important to him, and then you're going to spend the rest of your life with him. It just doesn't work. And I meet people all the time. They're like, well, my aunt had a friend, and you know, she got married to a non-believer, and it turned out okay for them. Yeah, maybe after years and years of prayer and tears, by a miracle of God's grace, he got saved. But for every one person it worked for, I could point to 100 people that it didn't work. I could point to 100 girls who started dating a non-Christian, ended up leaving the church, leaving the faith, ditching their community group, and ended up naked in the bed with them. If that's his version of fear of the Lord, it's not going to work. And some people are like, but Byron, you know, he believes in God. So do the demons. And I would say, probably shouldn't date a demon. They're like, but that's just your interpretation. If his interpretation ends up with you naked, I would say he's probably not the best hermeneutic. Like, that's just not the way it works. Fear of the Lord, God first. Because the most important question is, who are you going to worship? And if he doesn't worship who you worship, he's not going to be the person you need to marry. So that's what you watch for. That's what you look for for the ladies. Okay, now men, I'm going to talk to you. But before I do, I got something that I do need to say. It's going to be important okay? because here's what's going to happen. Okay, we talk to the ladies. Ladies, go first. I wanted to give you half a sermon before you got really mad at me. Okay, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you. Okay, what I'm about to say is a little controversial, but it's very important. But we live in a day and age to where if you say anything that might be a little sensitive towards women, you're considered to be mean or, or derogatory or maybe sexist. But I want you to know that's not true. That the Bible is the most honest book that's ever been written, so we need to be honest when it comes to the Bible. And what I say is this. The Bible is first a mirror before it's a magnifying glass. What that means is you want to look at yourself before you go look at someone else. So ladies, what I'm about to say, Bible is a mirror. Okay, don't get upset. Don't get offended. Don't get mad. Instead, say, is he talking about me? Right, is this talking about me? Are there things that I need to repent of, pray over? Right, is there some areas in my life that I need to work on? It's a mirror. Guys, I've been beating you up for weeks. Right now, it's going to be your magnifying glass. 
You want to use this to see this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm watching for when it comes to dating. First thing is this. Is she loud? The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and she knows nothing. Proverbs 9.13. And I don't mean introvert, extrovert. Okay, I'm not talking I-N-F-P-E-N-T-J. I'm talking L-O-U-D. Is she loud? Okay, with that being said, okay, just going to set it down. Slowly walk away. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Here, here, here's what we mean. Okay, is she, is she domineering? Is she overbearing? Does she insert herself into every conversation? Does he always have to be right? Is she the center of attention? Is she loud? Okay, then you have to figure out, is that the kind of woman you want to be with? Okay, woman folly is loud. She's seductive and she knows nothing. Okay, number two is, does she always start a fight? Okay, here's what Proverbs says, okay? Last week, we talked about the ox. Get that one tattooed. Do not get this one tattooed on you. It's not going to go well. Here's what he says. It's better for you to live in the corner of the rooftop than for you to live in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. I meet couples all the time. They're like, we so love each other. We never even get in fights. Okay, here's the reason why. You've never been in a fight. Okay, because she's hiding her crazy. That's what she's doing. She's waiting for the perfect moment when you least expect it, and then all of a sudden, Boom. Amen? Yeah. Or, or you fight all the time, and neither are good. Okay? And, and here's, here's the other one that he says. In, in Proverbs 27, 15, he says, continual dripping on a rainy day is like a quarrelsome wife. This is called Chinese water torture. Just so you know, okay, it's a war crime. It's illegal, according to the United Nations, but some people, they marry into it. Right? A woman who's nagging, who's always you know, quarreling, fighting, everything's in arguments, right? it's, it's just not going to go well because she's always trying to start a fight. Right? You could just walk in, it's a pretty day, and then all of a sudden she's mad at you for I don't even know why. And it's just starting a fight. She's like, we haven't talked in a while, so let's get in a fight. Okay, If that's who she is... Right? It's going to be really rough for you. Now, am I saying that? Am I saying that you know you never do anything dumb? No, you do some dumb stuff. Am I saying that you know you, you never make any mistakes? No, you you've made a lot of mistakes. That's that's very true. You've made you've made a lot of mistakes. But you want to find somebody who's going to fight fair. You want to find somebody who's going to fight you know for you, not against you. Someone's going to fight for the relationship, not against the relationship. If everything's the end of the world, right, just maybe you should just go ahead and end it. Because you have to decide, am I always going to be fighting with this woman? If so, I need to really enjoy camping and war because that's exactly what I'm getting myself into. Number three is this. Is she disrespectful? Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Okay, guys, what you're looking for in a woman is all wrong. I meet so many guys who are willing to put up with so much bad behavior from a woman simply because they think that she's hot. They're like, none of my friends like her. I can barely stand her. But have you seen her? Man, she is hot. Proverbs would say that she's like a gold ring in a pig's nose, right? He's like, yeah, she's pretty for a pig. But that, you're like, oh my God, did he just say that in a sermon? I think he did. Can he do that? I don't know. He's out of town. Maybe he'll get an email. He says, she's pretty, but she's still a pig. Guys, what you're looking for in a woman is all wrong. You don't want to go with just a pretty girl. You don't want to go with just a beautiful girl. You want to find a respectable woman. You want to find a woman who's going to respect you. At the end of the day, every single man, all he wants is respect. When a guy comes home from work, he wants respect. When a guy you know, does something, he wants 
He wants respect. He wants you to be proud of him. He wants you to congratulate him. He wants you to pat him on the back and tell him he did a good job that a guy could go for like 17 days if he just has a woman who respects him. Right? You want to find a woman who is respectful and not just a girl who is beautiful. Does she respect you? Here's the next one is, does she tempt you sexually? Now, if I haven't gotten in trouble yet, this is going to be the one that's going to do it. Okay, For the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is a bitter wormwood. She is sharp as a two-edged sword. Does she sexually tempt you? Now, guys, I never want to hear a dude in our church say it's her fault. Right? You might have been tempted, but you don't have to give in to the temptation. Right, the temptation, okay, that is something that could be overcome. Right? So you don't give in to the temptation. And if you are being sexually tempted by the woman, okay, you are responsible for your own temptation. Like you're you're able to keep your hands to yourself. And so if you are being tempted, okay, you do have a choice and you have to make a decision. And if she's always tempting you sexually, here's something you two things you need to do. Okay, you need to repent or you run away. And you need to make the decision. Should you be living your life in a way that is repentant? Or maybe you just need to go ahead and run away if she's always tempting you sexually. Now, some of you, you'd hear this, you think, Byron, I mean, why would you use the sex part when you're talking about for the woman? I mean, isn't that a man's problem? No, it's everyone's problem. Okay, both men and women, it takes two to tango, if you know what I mean. Okay, it's actually, it's actually both. And statistically, women are more likely to be sexually promiscuous. Women are more likely to be able to have um, more sexual behavior. And in marriages, 51% of marriages end because it was the woman who was unfaithful, not the man. It's not everyone's problem, or it's not just the women's problem, it's everyone's problem. Right? If you have sexual temptation, okay, you need to repent or you need to run away. And, and people ask me all the time, they say, Pastor Byron, okay, I get it, sex is sin, but where is the line? Okay, people say, how close can we get? How far can we go? Where is the line? We want to get as close to the line as possible without giving an assent. If you have to ask the question, where is the line? It's probably because you've already crossed the line. Right? Because sin starts in the heart before it ever reaches the hands. And if you're asking the question, you're asking the wrong question because you've already, you've already crossed the line. The question is not, where is the line? The question is, when is the time? And the time is marriage. Sex is a great gift that God has given in the covenant of marriage between one man, one woman for life. Sex is great. It's good. It's a joy. It's a pleasure. And it's reserved for marriage. So if she's always sexually tempting you, then you have to make the decision, okay, if it's not time for us to get married, then it's not time for us to be able to have sex. And so a lot of people ask, where is the line? And so because you asked, can't believe I got to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you exactly where the line is. In the New Testament, the word sexual immorality, it comes from the Greek word porneia. And that, what that word means, it's a junk drawer that means anything and everything outside of biblical, heterosexual, covenantal marriage, one man, one woman, God, for life, anything other than that, the Bible says it is sin. Okay, it's porneia. It's where we get the term porn. When you go online, you look at porn, what comes up? Everything. That's exactly what it means. And so just give you a couple of things that porneia, that porneia actually means. Okay, it means anything that is intercourse and outer course, of course, anything, of course, no coursing. This includes, you know, oral sex, anal sex, manual stimulation, toys. This includes sexting, um, you know, FaceTime, strip tease. I mean, anything that you can think of, 
and more. It means etc. because some of you, you're like, oh, but the Bible doesn't say we can't do this. I came up with a new one. No, that's an old one. It's included because it's porneia. Okay, it all counts. If you ask to ask the question, where is the line? It's because you've already crossed it. The question is not where is the line. The question is when is the time? And the time is marriage. Okay, and so if you can't wait, then you can't date. If you can't wait, you can't date. Instead, what you need to do is repent or run away. Does she sexually tempt you? The number five, does she build you up or does she tear you down? The wisest of women builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Does she always put you down? Is she always criticizing you, nagging you? Is she always beating you up or or does she build you up? Does she encourage you? Does she bless you? Does she pray for you? Does she see the best in you? What does she do? How does she treat you? Is she building you up? She's a great woman. Is she tearing you down? That's going to be hard for you. You want to find a woman who builds you up, not beats you up. Because life is already hard. When you come home, you don't want it to be harder. You need to make the decision now. You need to figure out now. Because the most important question is, who will you worship? The second most important question is, who are you going to marry? You would rather answer the question now than wake up 10 years later going, oh my God, who did I marry? Because by then, it's going to be too late. So answer the question now if you're dating. For those of you who are married, okay, you're reading this, you're hearing this, okay, how many of you are kind of a little convicted? Okay, don't raise your hand, right? Don't raise your hand because then she's going to know. Okay, here's what you do instead. Okay, when we're dismissing, Okay, you say, baby, that was a great sermon. You know, next week's wisdom for marriage. <clears throat> I think we should really go to that sermon. That's what you're going to do because you're going to need a lot of wisdom when it comes to your marriage. But that's next week because the most important question is, who's you going to worship? The second most important question is, who are you going to marry? You need to know what to watch for. You need to know what to look for. So lastly, let me tell you some things that you need to look for when it comes to who you are going to date. The first question is this. Is she faithful to you? Okay, does she does him good and not harm all the days of her life? A wise woman, she does you good. How long? All the days of her life. Every single day of her life, she is doing good because marriage is for life. That she's not going to give up on you. She's not going to walk out on you. She's going to be faithful to you. She's going to be there for you. She's going to be right there by your side all the days of your life. For you, divorce is not an option. Have you had that conversation with her? Okay, divorce is not an option. In our house, the D word is not even allowed to be able to be said. Ashley grew up in a home that had a divorce. My parents, they were never married. My mom, she has been dating, dating, dating for all of her life. We just knew right up, divorce is not an option for us. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how much we fight, no matter how much we disagree, divorce is never even on the table. Because we're going to be right there with one another the entire way. That we're going to repent. We're going to pray over each other. We're going to walk in the ways of the Lord. We're going to go get help. We're going to make it work. We're going to figure it out. Divorce for us is never even an option. Okay, All the days of her life. Is she going to be faithful to you? The number two, do you agree on the future? Here's what Proverbs 19.14 says. The house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife comes from the Lord. Prudence means forward thinking. Hey, do you agree on the future? You need to figure these things out right now. 
You need to have these conversations. What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish in your life? Are these things going to match? Are we going in the same direction? Do we share the same vision? I mean, just think about it. Because if for her, right, she wants to, you know, be a stay-at-home mom and, you know, you want to go travel the world, it's going to be a lot of problems, right? For her, if she wants to, you know, always be gone and and you want to work offshore, it's going to cause a lot of problems. If she wants you to be home for family dinner all the time and you're working on a plant and you're on the DuPont schedule, you need to figure that out today. You need to see what it's going to look like. You need to have a plan when it comes to your future. Do you guys agree with what you want to do? Whenever I got called into ministry, I told Ashley, I said, Ashley, I feel like the Lord's calling me to to be a pastor. Is this something that you want to do? Because I'm going to give the rest of my life going and serving the church, studying, praying, preaching. That's where I'm going. Is this where you you want to go? And she said, actually, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I would be down for that ride. I, I would like to go. But we're dating. She has the option to be able to say no. In a loving way, she still loves me, but you know she had the right to be able to say no. Praise God, she said yes, but it would be well in her rights to be able to say no because we did not agree on the future. Okay, if Ashley wanted to join the Air Force, right, it probably wouldn't have worked out between us because that's not what I wanted for my life. You need to have an understanding of what it is that your future is going to look like. I mean, people ask me all the time. They say, Byron, how do you get Ashley to stay at home? Right? It's not like, you know, she's a housewife. She's staying home with the kids. Like, it's not like we arm wrestled to figure out who's going to, you know, stay at home with the kids to where, you know, we're like, ha, 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 go home. You're pregnant. Like, that's, that's not what it is. Before we got married, Ashley told me, she said, here's what I want out of my life. I want to be a mom. I want to be a wife. I want to stay home and be able to raise the babies. That, that's what I want. And so we, we had an agreement that we were going to work to be able to get to a place to where she could stay home and she could be with the kids. We agreed on that. So do you agree on the future? Have that conversation now, because if you wait till later, it might be too late. And the next one is this. What are her views of the family? Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. The children and the husband. How many kids does she want? Okay, probably don't ask this on the first date because she might think you're a little creepy. All right, but don't ask on the first date. Save it for maybe the second or third month of dating, but it's still an important question to ask. Does she want two kids? Does she want five kids? Does she want to adopt? Like, those are all very important questions. And, you know, if she wants five kids and you have three kids, praise the Lord. If she wants two kids and you want five kids, hey, praise the Lord. But if you want three kids and she wants no kids, that's going to be a problem. If you're like, I want to be a dad. And she's like, I got my tubes tied at 12. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be a big problem. What's her view of, uh, of marriage? What's her view of the family? Does she not want to take your last name? Does she want to hyphenate it? Okay, you know. You got to figure that out. Is that, is that what you want? If so, that's on you, buddy. Like, you got to figure that out. Is she complementarian when it comes to marriage? Like, that's, that, that's us. Like, we're complementarian. We believe that the, the man is the spiritual leader, the head of the house, that he is to love and serve his wife in the same way that Jesus loves and serves the church, that he is to lay down his life for that family. He's the pastor in that home, that he is the spiritual leader. Is that what you guys believe? Or is she egalitarian, where there is no roles, there is no responsibilities, and you both share the authority? You need to figure that 
that out before you get married, because if you don't, and there's going to be some problems. I mean, do you even agree theologically? I mean, if, you know, she's the Pentecostal charismatic lady and you're the hardcore fundamental Baptist guy, like family dinner is going to be weird because, you know, for her, you're like, babe, would you like to pray? And she's like, shamada kashina, shitabada honda, but instead about akina, riceroni, like, you're like, whoa, oh, hold on, because you think speaking in tongues is demonic. And she's over there talking in tongues and you're trying to cast out the demon and the kids are screaming. It's going to be bad. You need to know, do you agree on these very essential things? Have the conversation up front because if you wait, it might be too late. The number four, do you enjoy her company? Proverbs 38, 18 through 19. Three things that are too wonderful for me. Four things that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on a high sea, and the way of a man with a virgin. Proverbs 30, 18 through 19. Here he says virgin in the ESV. Some of your translations is going to say with a young woman. Now, according to the ESV, um, it, it actually has a sexual overtone. But what I think he's saying is, do you enjoy her company? Do you like being around her? Like, do you find her attractive? Do you get that little pitter-patter in your heart? Do you get butterflies in your stomach? Do your palms get sweaty? Do you get nervous? Do you start stuttering? Right. If so, that's a good thing because you enjoy her company. That means you might be falling in love. You got a little bit emotion. Emotion is good when it comes to dating. If everything's cerebral and cold and calculated, if you're like, I'm five foot nine and she's five foot two. Okay, she has brown hair. I got brown eyes. Let me draw a Punnett square based upon my calculations in the Excel spreadsheet out of 8 billion people. She's the most likely to be my mate. Okay, if that's you when it comes to dating, okay, she's probably, probably not gonna have to worry about dating very much because they're gonna say, no, because you're weird. Right? Instead, just be like, hey, I enjoy your company. I'd like to buy you some coffee. Does that sound okay? I kind of like being around you. I would like to be around you a little bit more. Come on, stop being so weird. Get a little game. Ask her out already. If you enjoy her, enjoy her company, just ask her out. And then lastly is this. Does she fear the Lord? Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Okay, gentlemen, you need to understand this. Okay, gravity always wins. Yeah, amen. Ladies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Gravity always wins, right? I mean, me and Ashley, we've been together for 14 years. We do not look the same today as we did the day that we first started dating. But I can tell you this, that Ashley is more beautiful today than she was on the day that we first started dating. And here's the reason why. It's because ladies age like wine. Guys, you age like milk. All right, ladies age like wine, guys, you age like milk. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That word fear the Lord, it means for to worship. A woman who worships is worthy to be praised because worship is the most beautiful thing that a woman can do. Right, the other day, I, I walked in from a long day of work. I come home early. Esther's down for a nap. There's worship music in the house. Ashley's sitting on the couch with her Bible open. I thought, she has never been more beautiful in my life because what matters most when you're looking for someone for you to date is how do they worship. The most important question is, who will you worship? The second most is, who are you going to date? You need to make sure that you find somebody who's going to be able to worship because you want to share with them the most important thing in your life. A woman who worships is worthy to be praised. When it comes to wisdom for dating, you need to get wisdom. You need to find somebody who worships 
Because if you do, you don't have to worry about who you date. So many people wonder, am I the right person, or is he the right person? Is this going to be the right person? Right? Can I find the right person? I want to find the right person. But nobody ever wonders, are they the right person? Are you the right person? The answer is, no, you're probably not the right person. And so that means that you're going to need to get wisdom. They're going to need to get wisdom. They need to walk in the fear of the Lord. And here's the reason. Because when you get wisdom, you don't have to worry about your dating. Because you got wisdom. You're walking in the fear of the Lord. And as you're walking in the fear of the Lord, if somebody comes alongside of you, just turn around and say, hey, how's it going? Can I get your number? <laughs> I got wisdom. Would you like to go out? That's what wisdom for dating actually looks like. When you get wisdom, you don't have to worry about who you're dating. Okay? With that being said, I love you. So I'm going to close by giving you five rules for dating here at Redemption. Hey, I want to I want to be able to help you. So because so many of you are young, you are ready, you are dating, or you want to be dating, let me give you five rules for dating here at Redemption. Number one, if you are not ready to get married, then you are not ready to date. Okay, if you're not ready to get married, you're not ready to date. Dating is a lot of emotion. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. And if you ain't ready to get married, don't even bother with it. Instead, work on the relationship with the Lord, read some good books, get involved in the church, go to college, make a little bit of money, work on yourself. And then when you're good and ready, guess what? You're going to be ready. But if you're not ready for marriage, then you're not ready to date. The second one is this. Okay, one date does not mean you are dating. Okay, just because you go on a date with somebody, it does not mean that you are dating. Pump the brakes, cool out, chill out, calm down. One date does not mean that you are dating. But if you are dating, don't take anybody else out on a date. Right? Don't go ask 20 you know, girls out hoping that maybe four of them say yes and you're like, woohoo. No, don't do that. This ain't The Bachelor. Right? Don't, don't do that. If you go on a date, you're not dating. Okay, but if you are dating, make it exclusive. Like, don't be weird. Right? Don't do that thing where, like, six months later, are we together or are we not together? Are we official or not Facebook? Or I don't know. Like, that's just weird. Everybody, everybody, nope, 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 nope. Nobody likes that. Okay, we don't like that. Don't do that. Right? Go on a date. If you, it's not dating. But if it is dating, don't go on a date. The, the third thing is this. Okay, guys need to initiate. Ladies, you need to respond. Guys, men, have a little courage. Right, get up the courage, walk right up to her and, and say, hey, I got a job, I can buy you some food. Would you like me to buy you some food? Because I like to do that. Right, go up to her and say, hey, I got a Bible, right, I got two eyebrows, are you interested? Okay, and if she says yes, praise the Lord. If she says no, handle rejection like a man. Okay, respect it and then just walk away. She said no, you get next. Like that's it, just, just move on. And ladies, if you want to say yes, just say yes. Right? Don't be like, maybe I need to go pray about it. No, if you, if you want to, just say yes. And if you don't want to, don't ghost him. Don't make it weird. Just say, uh, no, I'm not interested. Guys at Redemption, they can handle redemption because they listen to me preach every single Sunday. They can handle it. Okay, guys initiate, ladies respond. Number four, set healthy boundaries. Okay, if you're dating, you need to know where the line is. And then don't cross the line. Don't get drunk together. Don't spend the night at each other's house. Don't sleep in the bed with one another. Don't stay at her house watching Netflix to two in the morning because you and me both know that ain't what you're doing. Set healthy boundaries and then respect those boundaries because if you don't respect those boundaries, you won't respect that relationship. And then lastly, number five is this. 
Singleness does not mean second class. A lot of churches would want you to feel like you are second class because you're single. Now, we want families, and we're going to reach families, and we're all about the families. No, we're all about the kingdom. And you belong in the kingdom of God just as much as anyone else. We want everyone to experience life change through Jesus, and that includes you. Singleness is not second class. Two-thirds of the Bible was written by a single dude named Paul. Right? Jesus, he was 33 years old. He was single. And I would say he was very important. And so for the singles in our church, I love you. Jesus loves you. We love you. Thank you for everything that you do. And when it comes to dating, get wisdom. Keep serving in the church. And if there's someone right next to you that you find to be cute, go up to him and say, hey, I got wisdom for dating. I just listened to a whole sermon about it. Would you like to go get some coffee and talk about it? Like, that's, that's wisdom for dating. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. I hope I was able to help you, bless you, love you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for the grace that you have given. Thank you for the wisdom that you have given. Thank you for the people who are in our church. We love them so much, and you love them. And God, I just pray for them as they go out into the world that they would have the wisdom that comes from you because the world is not working. Trusting in your wisdom is the only way that they're going to be able to experience what you have best for them. Father, I pray for the women in our church. They would not settle for less than God's best. I pray for the men that you would empower them by the Holy Spirit to be the leaders that you have called them to be. And I pray that the men and the women, they would continue to grow in holiness, godliness, and in wisdom for life. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh.